episode 51, The Rant. Michael Meyer, basketball and baseball official in Nassau County, New York. It was only four years ago when I met Mike Mayer on the basketball court. I noticed that his shoes had dirt. He just came from a baseball game and I, a lacrosse game. He convinced me to join baseball. Join baseball I did. In this pod, Mike discusses his love for baseball growing up, his transition officiating a sport with a clock, and everything in between. All that and more, my conversation with Mike, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life, and with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattucks.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a special guest, Michael Meyer. How are you, my man? Very good, Ralph. Good seeing you. Good to see you. So, believe it or not, we just talked about this off air. I met you four years ago, around this time. And I do remember that this was one of the first couple of moments when uh, I just got into Island Garden and you were expressing how um, you were just getting your footing into basketball, um, but you were more so a baseball official. At the time, I thought you were really crazy because um, I was doing lacrosse and I was only doing sports that had a clock with the exception of softball, which kind of moved on um, because I was so used to that if there's a foul ball and the count is 2-2, it's, 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 a, it's a strikeout. <laughs> Right, so I, I couldn't imagine a kid just foul tipping it eight straight times to keep the uh, the pitch count alive. But um, yeah, you uh, you were very instrumental in helping me in the beginning in the formative stages of me doing baseball. So I thank you. But uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, and I'm very honored to be one of your guests, Ralph. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I can still remember the first time I met you, the uh, outright enthusiasm, the passion you had for being an official, and that's what kind of. Uh, attracted me to your uh, trek, so to say, along the way to being an official. So I, now it's a pleasure to have you on baseball. I appreciate that. Um, so let's just go start with um, what sports did you play growing up? Um, and if you were good, did you play in high school? Did you play in college? So I played all uh, local town, baseball, basketball, always at a place called Grease Park in Limbrook every night in the summer. But I only played uh, baseball in um, high school, so I uh, didn't play in college, but uh, my love for baseball really grew there, and it was through the uh, head coach at St. Agnes, who was a well-known baseball guy on Long Island, Bob Hirschfield. He was the head coach at St. Agnes, so I, uh, I learned under him, 
he subsequently went on to be the head coach at uh, New York Tech and uh, had a long history with St. John's baseball as a player, and now he's a ESPN radio announcer for St. John's. So uh, I, I owe everything I have, my enthusiasm, my passion for the game, to him. And through that, I met uh, a, a lifelong friend as well, uh, Tommy McGinley, who you probably know who's an umpire for high school baseball as well. Uh, probably the best high school catcher slash athlete I ever played with and uh, saw by, by far. Definitely the best catcher on Long Island at the time. What position did you play when I you was Tommy's. Uh, I was Tommy's um, Tim McCarver to his uh, Steve Carlton. I was his personal catcher because Tommy was such a great catcher, but he was also one of our, if not the best, one of our best uh, two pitchers. So when Tommy took the mound, I became his catcher. And then when I wasn't catching and Tommy was catching, I went out to uh, right field. Okay. Um, so how did you even get into officiating um, after you had all of your experience? Did you coach first when you had kids? So actually go back to even when I was about 13 years old in Valley Stream, where I grew up, they asked for young kids to, to umpire. So I was always looking to hustle and make some money. So I became an umpire for baseball when I was like 13 and did, you know, 10, nine-year-old kids, eight-year-old kid games for about a year or two, maybe two years. And um, that's, what, that's how I got my uh, involvement with uh, officiating. Now, after that, did that segue into something more serious or did you kind of step back, have kids... Start coaching them. I coached before uh, I went on. To, subsequently, I became a uh, New York City cop. But before I did that, I, st I was still in Valley Stream, and I wanted to give back to the programs I, I uh, played for. So I coached for the Valley Stream Male League, and uh, I did that for about two years in baseball. And then, uh, you know, life went on, and I became a cop in the city, and I met my wife, and we had three boys and they were always involved in baseball, soccer, lacrosse, swimming, um, basketball. So I coached uh, soccer, basketball, and baseball. So when, when was the moment when you started taking officiating serious? So as I got closer to my time to retire from the NYPD, um, I was doing a lot of side jobs all, all through my time. Even before I was married, I drove a limousine. I was always hustling, um, side jobs, even before I was married. Um, so I was doing a side job in the Hewlett area, and I ran across a guy, bumped into a guy that was, I think he was working the same fair as I was, and it was Bob Player. And uh, him and I got to talking. He was a retired uh, police officer as well from NYPD, and he talked to me about umpiring. And I said, oh, really? No, I should really get back into that. And he gave me his, his card and told me when the class was, and that was my mentor, and that's my foot in the door. 17 years ago. So you never told me that Bob Blair was the same guy that helped you as he helped me? Yeah, I, I thought I did because I always just say to you, I'd, I'd go talk to Bob, make sure he can he'd get you on onto Catholic games. So if I didn't, it was a mistake on my part. Interesting. Very interesting. So um, do you officiate any other sports? I do basketball. How did you get into that? You know, I, I could kick myself in the you-know-where for not doing basketball 17 years ago. Because uh, I don't know if I, if I would have did baseball. Mm. Because like you said, we were talking before we sat down, it's got a clock. And I wish I've done more sports that have clocks. Um, so I, uh, I looked into it. I saw that BOCES was offering a class and I signed up. 
Obviously, the first person I saw when I sat down that night in, uh, at Baldwin High School was the interpreter, the, uh, the great one. Don, Don Landolfi? The, the capo, the tutti, the capo, uh, Don Landolfi. And uh, the first thing he says to me, because class hadn't started, there was a few of us there, he goes, ah, what brings you here? What are you doing? Uh, what do you want to be a referee for? So I said, listen, I, you know, I'm a baseball official for you know, some years, and I'm looking to, I love basketball growing up. I think I, I can give it a shot. And uh, he goes, baseball sucks. What the hell are you doing that for? <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't know who he was. I knew he was you know, breaking my chops, but uh, grew into a great relationship with him, and then I learned to find out he was the Chaminade, like, JV pitching co uh, assistant coach for a couple of years. I did a couple of his games, and we, him and I went back and forth once I got to know him. And then I found out he was a, uh, a national baseball coach over in Italy. So, well-respected baseball guy, but that's just the way Don is. He uh, breaks your chops, but great interpreter and uh, great guy. So, we have that uh, bond that we do both of those sports Oh, baseball yeah. and basketball. Yep. How do you think both of them meld together to be beneficial for both? And what are the main differences? And if somebody's starting out, what would you push them towards um, initially? They both work off each other. I remember going to Sports Loft with Chuck DeCarbo, well-respected college official baseball, basketball, uh, soccer, I think football, does, does a lot of sports. And when I went to get my basketball stuff, he said, uh, you're going to love basketball. He goes, baseball is now going to even be slower after you do basketball because basketball is so quick and the play goes right by. If you don't get that whistle blowing or your hand up, the play goes past you and now it's too late. So I found with baseball, and I, I Chuck's 100% right, you now, you know, if you're doing the bases and you would just watch the base and listen for that pop of the glove, it just, it's so much slower than it mm. used to be. So I, I definitely think that helps. Um, as far as, uh, like, if there's, this, if there's a fast break in basketball, if you're the lead official, I always tend to set my feet like you would for a baseball call and watch the defender's feet. If they're planted and the guy's not airborne yet and he runs into him, you got to charge. So I, I think that helps. If there's a runner going from first to third and you're on the bases and you're, you're going to make a call at third base as the, uh, as the guy that's in the field... You set your feet, you plant, you watch, and you make your call. So there's both thing, both sports work off each other, I mm. think. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that um, basketball has made me jumpy. So when I first started, and, I, and I, we were talking about this off air, um, I remember the interpreter for us, Alex Flintz, who's uh, the baseball guy, um, he was telling me that I was too jumpy and I was making the calls way too quickly. But the way I was receiving and perceiving the information was um, the way I would do it in basketball. So I think in turn, baseball has helped me slow down in basketball. And in basketball, I think, you know, that patient whistle, um, it, it, it becomes even slower. And one thing I like about baseball, that there is no whistle. So you're really uh, left to your own devices. You're left to your own presence. You're left to your own command, which also in turn helps in basketball that when you're presenting the information, you're so used to presenting information without a whistle. Right. Um, but I, I also think that, and maybe you can relate to this, is that, you know, when, when you're doing a thousand games in the winter, I kind of like being outside in a 57 degree day with no wind. You know, I, I kind of enjoy that violent change um, and, and just doing another sport because I feel like it pulls another side of the brain. Would you agree with that? I agree. Except the only other thing against that is the 
you're dealing with the weather. Right. So for baseball, because it is baseball, you, you have a wet field, you're not playing. So ever this season alone, I think I've lost between Catholic and public five games. I've lost about four games yeah. myself. So it's it, that's the only drawback with baseball. It's different than lacrosse, because lacrosse out here in Long Island, most of the fields are turf. You're going to lose 90% of your games if there's mm-hmm. a weather issue. Basketball, obviously you lose none unless you're doing outdoor games. Would you ever consider doing another sport? And if you would, what sport would it be? Hypothetically I've speaking. I've thought about soccer for years. Um, I just, it, it's given, the class is given during the middle of baseball. So for me to get to from a game to a class at 7.30, let's say, or 7, it would be too much of a rush. Mm. So then I thought about lacrosse because it's got a clock and it's a fast game and I love watching it. My son played in college. and um, But that means I'd have to give up baseball. I don't think and you'd have to do it. One thing I, I, I didn't bring up is... With baseball, which I love, you have, once you're established, you can ask to be assigned with someone. So I've been fortunate to be with a partner for, I think it's our fifth or sixth season, let's say. Maybe, maybe it's more. I think it's six seasons. It's a guy, Danny Mineta, who I've, I, I went to grammar school with. I played wow. baseball with. And then we met at one of the meetings, and his partner moved on. I forget what happened, but uh, I, you know, we both said, how about working together? So to me... To be the best umpire you can be, it's a team effort. It's not just like, oh, I'm better than him, and you know, I'm gonna rate. You both work, work off of each other. You have things that you bring, um, some better than maybe than, than your partner, and vice versa. So uh, if I if it wasn't for Danny, I I don't know if I'd even be doing baseball anymore. That's how much I enjoy just going out and and working with him. Um, and I wish you- other sports would do the same. I've always asked guys in basketball. Why don't the varsity guys have their own partner? I think that would be tough only because they would have to have a different look every time. You know what I mean? Depending on what, what teams they are. Um, I, I don't know. But they, I, do I it, they, they, they do it in baseball. Yeah. They, I mean, you mean as far as, I'm not sure what you mean as far as a different look. Well, let, let's just say that we have a critical call and oh, they yeah. want to have different, they just want to have different referees. I don't know. I, same thing in baseball, same thing in any sport. You're going to have those type of critical calls. And Danny and I always found we get together and we talk about it and we uh, we come up with the right answer usually. Mike, open invitation. Uh, I'm taking the girls lacrosse class next year, so okay. if, if you want to, if you want right, to split Ralph, your time I'll, with baseball, I'll I'll, uh, I'll consider it. <laughs> I'll consider it. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is that um, I know what's weird about me is that I never played baseball at all in my life. I, had, I could help you though. I had one at bat in my life. I was playing PAL when I was in eighth grade. I got hit in the nuts. That was my first and last at bat. Okay, so hopefully you learned as an umpire to put that cup on every time you go out there. Ironically, whether my... it's eighth grade or six, you know, eight-year-old games or uh, varsity games, or I know you're aspiring to be an, a college guy. Uh, that's part of your equipment, obviously. Right. Ironically, my first game I didn't have a cup and I had an Apple Watch on, and I was terrified of both things of, of either getting hit um, in the uh, the mid region or, or the. Uh, terrified and you know when it's middle school games the kids are like three foot two yep. they may or may not be able to catch and that's the first time a projectile was coming at me 65 miles an hour i had no idea what to do so i remember i was ducking and they're like blue what's the call I went, oh i gotta make a call i forgot <laughs> um but what i wanted to ask you since i don't have the feel um what do you think is the best position to play in order for you to transition to be probably one of those umpires with when they already have the feel and and what do you think the feel is um, when you did play, and how has that helped you become the best official you can be as an umpire? So position as a player? As a player. I was a catcher most of my time in town, in school. Um, so you, you, you get to see, obviously, 
thousands upon thousands of pitches over the years as a player. So and the same angle as an umpire. And you're, too, you're, already, you're already in some, you're in a crowd's position, so you're already ahead of the game over a lot of guys. Um, so I thought catching was a big big help. And I always talk to the catchers as an uh, an official. Always introduce myself, shake my shake their hands. I you know do it to both catchers, and I, I'm always I, I usually. Tell the catcher that the ball's out, the ball's in, the ball's up, it's down. I let them know where the pitch is. So if their coach asks, I don't have to answer. The catcher can answer the coach. So I just find that was just a, a good mechanic for me. How long do you think it took for you to get to become a, a really good official in baseball? How long do you think it took? And I'm only asking this because, you know, I'm still trying to find my footing. I'm still trying to find my strike zone. I know I'm already doing high-quality games, but sometimes I feel kind of underqualified. But I think because of my poise and how I'm still going to bring it with the tenacity that doesn't um, deflect me from, from still being ready for the moment. But at the same time, you know, I'm just kind of trying to feel it out and figure it out little by little. But when, when do you think was the moment when you started feeling like you, you really had your foot down and you understood everything? You know, there's, I always feel that you can learn. So I think I felt confident in what I was doing probably, um, like about four or five years, um, I had gotten a call to move up and because of some issues at home with taking care of my kids and stuff, I couldn't give what they wanted. They said, you have to give five days, which now that I've been in the uh, on the board, that's really not true. So if anybody tells you that, just, just accept the, to move up to varsity mm-hmm. and just give them what you can. Um, so I would say about four or five years, I felt pretty confident. And then as you move along on the upper levels, you get to do more games and a little bit better baseball. And then you really, I, I did a ton of summer league games too, just to work on your strike zone and your mechanics. And I think mechanics plays a big, a big part of it. I really think, and I, I, I try to do with, with anything I do in life as, as far as sports and learning, I'm big on observing. So I like to watch how other people do things. So I would always watch my partner. If I was in the field, how's that guy, you know, how's that guy work behind the plate? Or how's he, if, I'm, if, if I was behind the plate, I'd, I'd look and see, how's that guy work on the bases? Where's he set up? Where's he, you know, uh, is, he in this, is he in the soft area behind the mound when there's a ball hit out there? So I would just try to pick up little nuances from everybody, no matter how much time they had out. As an umpire, I would say, oh, yeah, I, like, I like the way that guy did that. Mm-hmm. So I'm never against learning. And Danny and I always talk pregame. You know, I was thinking about this situation. I, we always try to talk situations before each game. Mm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is your experience with summer baseball and also um, how do you feel about doing basketball in the summer now that um, you've had a lot of time in basketball as well. I've never done personally any type of summer baseball, and I know that it's kind of against what I'm trying to do in terms of elevating into the college side. Um, but it just doesn't sound appealing wearing gray pants in 80 degree weather, um, it might be humid. Um, just tell me what your experience is. And this is mainly for new officials who are trying to break into baseball and trying to do as many games as they can, what they can expect. I would tell them it would definitely pay dividends if you can do some summer ball. I, w- I was doing, I mean, there were tournaments. I was probably doing six games in a day, Saturday and Sunday, if it was like 4th of July or Labor Day, do like 12 in a weekend. Uh, I don't recommend that so much. I mean, for you young guys that can do it, that's great. Um, but it definitely helped me because the more you, more pitches you see and the more calls you make out in the field, it's just going to build up your confidence. You're going to see freaky things that you may not see if you do less games. So I think the more experience you have, I, I did it with basketball too. I dove right into CYO, Island Garden. I had a connection with Jim Fox because I coached over there with my CYO team. 
So he put me right in to Thailand Garden. I was, you know, six games on a Saturday and Sunday for hoops was not um, unusual for me. Mm. Um, so having said all of these things, um, what do you think are the attributes that took you to get to where you are as an official for both of those sports? I think the number of games helps. It, it definitely builds up your confidence and, and looking at the rule book every year. I always look at the rule book during the season, even off season. Um, I haven't, and I took a few classes along the way. I haven't done any camps with basketball, but I've applied for a couple through the, the board. I haven't got picked yet for that one. Um, but I definitely think a lot of games, um, you learn to be better by, at least for me, I wouldn't take criticism from coaches as serious as I used to. So I think I've grown, I've matured a little bit as an official, so not to be as confrontational mm. as maybe I was when I was younger. Now I just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's your opinion. Yeah, somebody didn't like my strike zone, and I was thinking like, well, I never played before, so you could feel, <laughs> you feel and, you're probably and right. And I spoke to you, I think, that day in prep for this, and I said, Ralph, I, I always feel if you're consistent with what you're calling, whatever it's, whether it's a high strike zone or a low strike zone, as long as you're consistent and the batters can make that adjustment and the coaches know where, you, where you're at, most guys aren't going to have a problem with that. It's when you're, ah, this one's up high, I got a strike, this one's low, I got a strike. If you're all over, that's when you have problems. Mm. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go and where do you want to go in both baseball and basketball? You know what? I'm happy where I am. I'm you know, getting a little bit older, so uh, I'm not looking to, to move on. Um, could I, I, I? If I put it the time and effort in, I could move on maybe in baseball, but... I'm happy where I'm at, um, and there's a lot of younger guys that can move up. I, I always tell Danny, you know what, our ratings this year you know, are really good, whatever they are, or last year, whatever they are. I said, next year, like Ralph Fornalis could come along and his partner. You know what I'm saying? People could bump you right out. Mm -hmm. You could have a bad game, and now you get like fives, and two other guys get tens every game. Now you, you move down a little bit. I find that a very interesting it's, situation about getting rated – from coaches that the, are subjective to um, maybe an objective call. I mean, if I have an objective call on something that hurts one of the coaches, how is it? I don't even know how that's. How is he not going to be biased against you? Yeah, that's tough. It's not a great system. You don't think it's ever going to change, do you? I, I don't know what you can do. Yeah. You don't have enough guys that you could go out to every game and start rating people in the association. There's not enough. We don't even have enough officials to do our games. They're constantly pulling up. JV guys to do some of the varsity games. Yeah, why do you think that is? How come you think there's a shortage of umpires and there's an influx of basketball officials? All three of my kids played. One, you know, one played lacrosse in college. One swam. Not that he would do basketball or baseball. And my youngest son played lacrosse in high school and could got an offer to play in college and turned it down. None of them would even consider being an official. I think it's the younger generation sees how they, the, how we get treated and the, stuff. Yeah, what abuse you get. Yeah. For the amount of money you get, and they go, I, I don't want to do that. I think it's worth it. <laughs> I, I know it bothered me, but that's because I was a cop. I'd be like, I'd get worse. So I guess that. And the thing I love about ba any officiating, it's group, it's an, it's a fraternity, and it reminds me of the police department where we each cover each other's back. We never let an official get, you know, uh, run at by a coach. Step in, in between, whatever we have to do, deflect it, diffuse it. So it reminds me of the police department in that way. Do you have um, any type of P an investment that is under $100 that has enhanced your officiating experience for basketball and baseball? 100%. I probably took my wife out for dinner last night, and that makes 
all the uh, games I did and all the things I missed over the years, probably the best investment I ever made. Mm. And, and really, do we have like a couple minutes, a couple of anecdotes, stories I had. So, I first season, I get my equipment, pay out like, let's say $400. It's a lot of money. Uniforms, you know, plate pants, base pants, shirt, short sleeve shirt, turtleneck, jacket, mask, shin guards, chest protector, cup, everything. So whatever the outlay was, $400, let's say. And I bring it home. My wife said, you better get out there and get some games after you just paid $400 for this stuff. And you better not quit. And that was 17 years ago. So I always have that memory in my head. And we joke about it to this day. Because mm. I've probably done thousands of baseball games over the years. And uh, basketball, not thousands, but uh, mm. up in the high hundreds. Way up in the high hundreds. Um, then I had the game with... Uh, particular former NFL player at uh, Island Garden come at me at a third grade level basketball game, two gaucho teams tournament. End of, end of the day, it was my third game. I teed up the uh, this individual as a bench uh, technical because the coach couldn't handle him after I warned him. And his son's team lost by one point. And the tees that they shot, they made one of two. So he felt it necessary to come at me when I was putting my shoes on in my face F-bombing me all over, and it turned out to be an NFL player, Sean Ellis, who well, I've spoke to since then, and uh, all is good. Um, what are the best moments that you've ever had officiating baseball and basketball? Best for baseball, I can think of a few years ago, Danny and I had a playoff game. Play, it was a like first round or a, or a play-in game, Farmingdale versus Freeport at Farmingdale. Uh, Roberto was the head coach of Farmingdale, uh, Freeport, very animated coach, um, loves to get in, involved with umpires. So it was a situation where ball went out to the outfield. It was a hit. I don't remember if it was second and third, but runners were coming around, and one of the runners came home. I had the plate, and he uh, jumped over, believe it or not. He jumped over the catcher and touched the plate. So I killed it with a dead ball, and I called him out for jumping over the catcher. So actually, Roberto comes down and was jumping up and down, I said, don't even go there. I said, safety, don't remember... Safety first, right? So you cannot hurdle or jump over the catcher unless he's laying down on the ground. So he was done. So it was just right out of the box. We had a bang bang play where you know you had to you had to know the rule there. So it was it was a memorable uh, memorable one. Well, when you were talking about how you and Danny go back and forth of like um, quirky things that happen, yeah. I think that's something that, that I'm always going to remember, even though that has never happened to me. You make one mistake, Ralph, on any of these sports. And you go, oh, man, I kicked that call. You will never, ever make that mistake again. I guarantee you, if there's anything that I remember, I'd be like, I, I won't make that mistake again. Right. And I think that's important for players and coaches alike, as well as fans, to understand that um, there's no one that feels as bad as somebody that is making the call themselves. So, you know, for them to, I guess, kind of ream you and, and rip you in the moment, um, you know, I want them to understand that we want to be accountable for our actions, too. And we feel just as bad. And you're, you're completely correct. I think that's why it's important to make those spectacular failures in those moments, because, you know, that's something that you can carry on and proliferate that information to other people. And as well as your own personal guidance of knowing that you're never going to make that mistake again. Right. Um, this has been great. Do you have any final words before we part ways? Final words on just the way you've been with me over the you know the few years. I know you. I, I, I think it's great that you're up on varsity as a baseball official. I know you're a big basketball guy, so you're all over the metropolitan area doing your games. So to see you move up as quick as you did is great. I, I love it. And um, 
just keep on doing what you're doing. And like I said, got to take care of the Kellenberg guy. That's when my, my oldest son, Michael, as you know, went there. Um, I think that's it. I mean, I love doing it. I'll do it as long as I can, as long as I like it. If I don't like it, I would just say pack it in. And But I, I, always, I always think we should give back to the younger guys, not to look at young guys like I ain't teaching them anything. Not that I would be a teacher, but just share your knowledge. Hey, you know what? This happened to me once or you're doing a great job. I worked with uh, your friend. Um, oh, yeah, Ray. Right? Ray. Great umpire. We did a lower-level Catholic school game for Bobby Player on a turf field. He had the plate. The guy, I think he went through uh, with um, uh, Richie Maggio's group. The guy looked great. His timing was great behind the plate. I kept on coming and going, man, you look good back there. Keep it up. So he was, like, so thankful that someone would come over to him and tell him, you know, you're doing a great job, yeah, which he and, was. And, and what's, what's really great about Ray is that what you did to me, um, gave me the confidence to give him the information in the reverse because I met him in baseball. We were in the same class, and I remember how gung-ho he was in baseball. And I said, listen, you know, from November to March, there's no ball. So, you know, we could we could fill that outlet by doing basketball. And he was like, man, I don't know anything about basketball. And I said, listen, there was a point in time where I felt the same way about baseball, but here I am. I took the class with you, right? So I have no problem with helping you. He listened to my advice. And for him, now it's an outlet and it keeps him sharp. And he was just discussing this before, is that he feels that in his baseball season, this is probably the best that he's ever felt because he already feels like he's in midseason form only because he's already been officiating, you know, since since November, right. which, which I guess is important because, you know, when you think about those scrimmages, especially in basketball for me and somebody like you, I've been doing basketball all year round, so I don't really need the scrimmages. Not that I'm above it, but what I'm trying to say is that I'm not coming cold and, and not doing it for seven months and then all of a sudden just trying to do it, you know, a varsity scrimmage out of nowhere. I've already been, you know, sharpening my iron the whole time. So, you know, I think that's why it's important. And like I said, I think it's it's important to do multiple sports only because you can really get burned out here if you're yep. doing baseball the whole time, right? Yep. And you, you know that. Yep. So what's your summer looking like? Um, you going to um, be doing a lot I'm, of baseball? You no, gonna be doing a lot I don't basketball? do summer anymore. I stopped. Uh, probably four years ago I stopped cause for that reason. It was just interfering with too much, and it was too hot, and I was like, you know, I'm getting too old for this. So I just do my school games for Catholic and public, and then I do basketball. Cool. So, you know, I do Island Garden. I do uh, CYO. Uh, I do a little bit of PAL up in Oyster Bay. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Cool, man. So for Mike Meyer, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We're signing out. See you later. Peace. Peace.